0: Good morning. Uh, so we're going to be wrapping up uh, Titus today, and uh, next uh, Sunday we're going to be starting about a, a seven-week series or so called Start With Why, and uh, the idea of this series is that often we'll talk about um, showing, living a compassionate life, showing love, living a pure life, uh, persevering and all of those things, and we, we don't spend a lot of time asking the question, why? Why, why should we love? Why should we uh, live pure lives? Why, why should we live uh, this life the Bible talks about? But the Bible actually talks a lot about why. It honestly talks about why probably as much as it talks about what, what we should be doing, why we should be doing it. And so it's going to be a series kind of about that. Um, about not just that we should love, but why should we love and all of those other things. So I'm kind of excited about it. It'll be a a seven-week series or so, and it will take us to a a Thanksgiving series that we're calling um, Thank God, about just demonstrating thanks to God. So uh, that's kind of where we'll be. Um, That'll get us till Christmas. So all right, Um, believe it or not. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll wrap up Titus. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this morning. Uh, We thank you for this uh, book about leadership and about the leaders that you're calling us to be. We thank you for Jesus, the ultimate leader, who uh, is our example. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, Years ago, there was a mother that was concerned about how much sugar uh, her son was eating. And uh, she lived in the region, and it wasn't really much of a walk, and so she decided uh, to take uh, the young boy to, to Gandhi and ask Gandhi to express to him that he shouldn't be eating so much sugar. And so they took kind of a long walk, and, and they went to, uh, to, to Gandhi, and before the mother presented her son, uh, she said to him, would you mind uh, telling my son he's eating way too much sugar? He shouldn't be eating all this sugar. And Gandhi said, true story, uh, Gandhi said to her, bring him back in two weeks, And uh, she was a little irritated, because they'd walked quite a ways, and um, he said, you know, I can't tell your son that right now. Come back in two weeks. She said, okay. So they went back to their village, and two weeks later, uh, they walked back, and she presented her son to Gandhi, and uh, he said to the young boy, you're eating too much sugar. Um, It's bad for you, and, and you need to stop. And the boy, you know, was kind of mesmerized by... Uh, who, who this was, and he said he would do that, and the mother was puzzled, and she said, why didn't you just tell him that two weeks ago when, when I brought him to you? I was actually kind of irritated about that. Why didn't, why didn't you do, do that? And, and Gandhi smiled, and he said, well, um, two weeks ago, I was eating a bunch of sugar myself. Um, and a tr- true story, but, and it, it, it demonstrates one of the leadership truths that we've discovered in this series is that really, uh, you can't lead where you haven't been. Right? You can't lead where you haven't been. And the opposite of that uh, is also true, that you just will lead where you have been right you can try to fight against that and every parent and grandparent in this room knows that you often are trying to fight against that it's like you know don't you know make the same mistakes that i made but, but really we will lead where we've been and that probably scares and intimidates every leader in the room so we there's this dedication in the leader as paul talks to titus about always growing and always improving and always becoming more faithful so that we can go ahead of the people that we're leading and lead them to a better place and so I want to just spend a few minutes, we've talked a lot about leadership in this series, um, one of my favorite topics, but I want to um, just review some of the stuff that we've been talking about before we get into the text for today. And one of the other kind of laws of leadership is that everyone is a leader. Now often when you do a leadership series, people will kind of sit back and think, this isn't for me, I'm not a leader, that's not who I am. And I really have this core conviction that if leadership is influence, then every single person in the sound of my voice is a leader. Parents, you are leaders. You are leading your children. Grandparents, you are leaders. Students, you are a leader in your school. You have influence over people. Workers, you are a leader in your company. Everybody has some measure of influence. Now, some people have more influence and some people are leading more people, but everybody has some measure of of influence. Uh, That brings us to another kind of point about leadership, and that is leadership is best when it's relational, not positional. That the best way you can leverage your influence, that the best way you can do that is in the context of relationship. Now, it is, you can kind of pull the, uh, you know, I'm the mom or the dad and I said so, or did you see whose plaque is on the, on the door outside the office, or I'm the boss and you can listen to me. You, you can play the I'm in charge card and you can win some battles that way. That, that is one way you can lead. You, you can play that, that, that battle card, but if you really want true influence, which I think everybody wants, they don't just want people to comply with what they're saying. I mean, sometimes you got to go for the compliance thing, you know, especially when it's your kids. But we want more than compliance. We want actual influence with the people we love. That happens in the context of relationship. Last law of leadership. We talked about this a lot the last two or three weeks. Because of everything I've just said, the character of the leader, the character of the leader is of utmost importance. So if leadership is influence, and if everybody is a leader, then Paul repeatedly teaches this this to Titus. Teach the people that are leading, which is everybody in your congregation, the importance of character. One week he talked about it in terms of leadership in the church. That if we're leading people to where we've been, we want to be in a good place. So he says, make sure the leaders in your church have a high degree of character. Um, The week after that, he talked about it within the olders and the youngers in the church who all have different measures of influence. He said, make sure you're addressing character with the older folks in your church and the younger folks in, in your church. And the reason is really simple. From Paul's perspective... Everyone's a leader. Everyone has influence. And so we want to make sure we're leading people to the right place. And character and integrity is the attribute that makes sure that happens. Character and integrity restrains us. Character and integrity make sure that we're leading people where we actually want to lead them. And for parents and grandparents and anybody in any kind of line of work, um, we all know this is true that the character and integrity of the leader is very, very important. Because you would say the best people you ever worked for, you you would attribute that to their character. They 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 were good to work for. All right? So open your Bibles to Titus 3. Uh, Titus 3. We're going to kind of wrap up this little book, uh, just three chapters. Uh, We've been talking about how Titus was one of the first Greek converts to Christianity. He's mentored by the Apostle Paul. We'll talk about that more in in a minute. And uh, Titus actually went with Paul. The Apostle Paul was planting some churches in Crete. Titus went along with Paul, and then Paul kind of left Titus in charge there. Um, of of the churches, to lead and and kind of care for the churches, to establish elderships in each of the congregations. Paul leaves Titus there to kind of run all of that. And in typical kind of Paul fashion, at some point he writes this letter to Titus and says, these are the things I want to remind you about when it comes to leadership. And uh, they're very, very relevant, I think, if you want to go back and read the book, to family life and church life and work life. What what Paul says is, is really, really helpful. But as we close out, um, he has some final instructions for Titus. And we're going to see in this little text, we're just going to read like three verses. I, I think there's three questions in here uh, that every leader needs to ask as we close out this series. All right? So, as soon as I send Artemis and Tychius to you, do your best to come to me to Necropolis because I have decided to winter there. All right? Paul's not, you're not the only snowbird around, right? Paul, Paul was doing that too, all right? Do everything you can to help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive, unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in faith. Grace be to all of you. All right, so as you're leading, uh, as you're influencing, Uh, as you're living your life in in that way. I think there's three questions we all need to ask. Really simple, uh, very uh, preachy type sermon today, right? Three points, all right? So I'm like a real preacher, all right? So, um, and the first question we want to ask is who's investing in me? Who's investing in me? Every single leader needs a Paul. Paul had invested in Titus. They had spent time together. Paul mentored him, taught him, trained him. And now he's actually instructing Titus to come back to him to help him, but also, I believe, probably for relationship and more mentoring. Now, I want you to think for a moment about having the Apostle Paul as a mentor. Right, the Apostle Paul who wrote a whole bunch in the New Testament, imagine having him as a mentor. I've, I've talked about that one of my dreams someday, even more than going to like the, the holy land of Israel, one of my dreams someday is to take a trip and follow in the, in the footsteps of Paul. Uh, you know, to to go through, you know, Greece and Macedonia and Crete and all those places. I think that would just be incredible. But think for a minute about the Apostle Paul is mentoring you. Think about, we know Paul's heart from his writings. So we know some of the things that he probably taught Titus. Like uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says, this wasn't written to Titus, but it shows Paul's heart. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So think about Titus learning from Paul the idea of love. Right? That, that, that's just an amazing thing for me to think about. That, that as Paul t- t- taught Titus, that love is not a feeling, love is an action. That love, our love is found in our patience. Our love is found in our kindness. Our love is found in our protection. And I would guess that as Paul kind of mentored Titus, he taught him his perspective about love. And I would guess that Titus became a better leader in the church because of it. Uh, because an easily frustrated, angry church leader uh, can do more damage than good. And so Titus learning from Paul about what love is and what love looks like would have been an amazing thing. Or how about this from Philippians that Paul writes, "'Therefore, if you have any encouragement "'from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, "'if any common sharing with the Spirit, "'if any tenderness and compassion, "'then make my joy complete by being like-minded, "'having the same love, being one in spirit "'and of one mind.'" Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So, Paul has this view of leadership from his writings that leadership is best when it is servant oriented. That the leaders that God calls us to be are leaders who who love to serve. This comes directly from our example of Jesus Christ. This passage goes on to say that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. That Jesus is our example of what a leader is and what a leader does. Can you imagine Paul teaching this to Titus? That Titus, I'm going to leave you in Crete. And I expect you to be a servant leader. You're not going to leverage your influence for your own benefit. You're not going to leverage your influence for what makes you happy. You are going to be a servant of Jesus Christ to these people. That, that, and, and we get this. I, I've said this before in this series. that The people that you consider the best leaders serve others. They help others. They're not all about themselves. They care about other people. And this was just drilled into me uh, by my alma mater, where I went to college. My, uh, the Christian college that I went to, their mission statement is that they are developing servant leaders. That's the mission statement. Servant leaders for the church and for the world. And so one of the highest honors that you can get at my school uh, as an alumni is the Divine Servant Award. That this was just drilled into me again and again and again. That we are called to be servants. And again, think about, I think Titus was a better leader because he received this influence from Paul. And man, I I need to be a servant leader. Let me show you another passage from Colossians, last one. We could do this all day, but we're not going to. All right, this is the last one. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. And I pulled out that passage from Colossians because I want you to see. Paul had this incredible insight on who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Imagine him giving that to Titus. It's through Paul that we kind of learn, through the Holy Spirit's uh, the Holy Spirit giving this to Paul, we learn about that all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. That Jesus is the firstborn over all all creation, that he is the image of God. Um, We know that Paul, when he he was becoming a Christian, at one point there was a bright light and he went temporarily blind. And in that kind of season of blindness, Jesus appeared to him. So he had this personal interaction with Jesus. Think about the insights about Jesus that Paul had. And then he's pouring all of that into Titus. And then Titus poured all of that into the churches that he served. I think everyone needs a Paul. Now, it's amazing to have the actual Paul, but everybody needs a Paul-like person. Someone who's pouring into them, mentoring them, discipling them. And I've been fortunate. I've had some Pauls through the years. I think about uh, my preaching professor in college and I kind of um, give you a little bit of my kind of church history so you can understand how meaningful this relationship. Is became for me is that um, I grew up in a little church. um, At kind of the climax of of my home church, Um, we were at about 100 people. That was the the actual kind of pinnacle of where we were. And then there was kind of a series of problems in that church. By the time I left for college, the church was right around like 20 or 30 people. um, And they were kind of talking about closing their doors, which they did while I was in college. Um, And uh, so I went to Bible college and I met my preaching professor and he was teaching at my college part-time, and the rest of his time was devoted to the church that he served, and he was serving a church of 500 people. I had never heard of a church this big before. Um, I I had never heard of a church with that kind of influence before, and I did an internship at his church. He mentored me. He helped me, and one of the things that he taught me again and again in that mentoring season was about um, loyalty to the people that you serve, and he is to this day one of the most loyal leaders I've ever uh, met in my life. That's just one lesson I learned from him. Everybody needs that. A mentor, a guide. If you're a parent, man, you need that, don't you? If you're a parent, you need people that are a little ahead of you on the parenting journey to invest in you and help you do the most important job in the world. If you're a professional, you need this, Um, You need someone that is ahead of you career-wise a little bit, mentoring you and and helping you kind of think through how to live a life of faith in your field. If you're a Christian, um, you you need this. You need someone who's a little bit ahead of you to, to, to mentor you and encourage you and at times challenge you to live the life you were created to live. Now, I think this flows from two places in us. One is it flows from a place of humility. Having a Paul requires humility, Um, And I get concerned about this sometimes uh, because I think maybe it's too much time on Facebook. I don't know. But I think we're kind of developing this idea in our culture that, like, you need to listen to me. That I have all the answers and I have all all the insights. And and in order for you to have a Paul, you got to have this measure of humility. That you don't know everything about parenting or about career or about life. And you need someone to help you. Right, that, by definition, is a statement of humility, that I need to listen and learn from others, to be discipled by others. I think it also flows from relationship. Now, don't get me wrong, mentoring can happen from afar. It can happen on podcasts, it can happen through books, it can happen through sermons, it can happen that way. It happens best in the context of relationship. And what concerns me about this in our culture is that we are becoming increasingly independent in our culture in terms of our thinking, And so we kind of have this independent spirit that I have all the answers. And this is not a good combination for getting a Paul. (laughs) right? That is not a good combination for getting a Paul. If you have all the answers and you live this independent life, and and you're just kind of from afar posting things to Facebook, uh, that's not the humble kind of spirit that that we need. And so I think we need to just ask God, as, as Christians, if you're a Christian, ask God, God, would you give me a spirit of humility? And God, would you give me a spirit of relationship, that I need to have the humility to know that I don't have all the answers, and I need to have the relationships around me. Would you put somebody, would you put a Paul uh, in my path? I I think God's going to answer that prayer. God, would you put a Paul in my path? I need someone to help me. I don't have all the answers. I need someone to help me. I need someone ahead of me a little bit to help me. And and, um, I think this is so close to the heart of God and how he built the church I think it's so hard, close to the heart of God that that's a prayer he would answer. So the second question we see in this text, first one is, who's investing in me? The second question every leader has to ask is, who am I investing in? You see that Paul asked Titus to invest in Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos, well-known church leaders who would eventually be joining Titus. And notice what he says to Titus. I think this is really interesting. He says, I want you to make sure that when they come to you, they have everything they need, that they have everything that they need. This goes to the heart of what it means to be a leader, that we make sure the people that we are leading, whether it's our children or our grandchildren or people in the field that we work in, that the heart of a good leader, the heart of a good leader is, I'm gonna make sure the people around me have everything they need. Isn't that a great heart? That I'm I'm, I'm gonna make sure the people, I'm gonna make sure my kids have everything they need. need, right? We're going to talk about the difference between, right? You get the difference, right? Between that and what, that my kids have everything that they need. And listen, this is going to look in different ways in different seasons, but I want you to think just for a minute about what are the relationships right now that God is calling to invest in, God's always calling us to invest in others. As a matter of fact, Jesus was asked one time, what are the two greatest commandments? And he said, the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor like you love yourself. So God is always calling us to make an investment in others. So I want you to think just for a minute about who is God uh, calling you to invest in during this season? Maybe it's your grandkids, Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's your children, right? I, I mean, if you're a parent right now, you, you got your hands full with investment, right? You're making a lot of investment in the life of your, in, of your kids. But who is God calling you to invest in? And part of loving them the right way and part of leading them the right way is giving them what they need, um, not just what they want, Aren't you glad that we serve a God who is a a good father and that he gives us what we need, not just what we want? Um, If God gave me everything that I asked for and if God gave me everything that I ever wanted, I would have become a Ninja Turtle when I was 10. And I don't think that would be a good look today, all right? Because I I remember praying to God after watching that cartoon that I just wanted to be a Ninja Turtle, right? And and so this is part of the heart of leadership is that I'm not just going to give my kids what they want or my grandkids, or the people around. I'm not going to give them just what they want. I'm going to give them what they need. This is part of leadership. And can I tell you something? It's one of the hardest parts of leadership. Um, Especially when there's a gap between the people that you're leading between what they want and what they need. What they think they want and what what you know they need. When there's a gap there, it's really, really hard. When your kids are so convinced that they, they need this thing, but you know it's bad for them, and you have to say no, That's when it gets hard to give them what they need, not just what they want. When your employee has worked hard for this kind of presentation and they're so convinced this is what needs to happen next in the company and you know it's not going to be good for the company and you have to say no and you give them what they need, not just what they want, that's hard. When your friend comes to you and they're thinking about making this decision and they're all excited about it and they just kind of want to know your opinion, but really they don't want to know your opinion, they want you to agree. And they come to you and they kind of lay all this stuff out and you're like, I really don't think this is going to be good for you. And there's a gap between what they want and what you know they need. And you say, I really don't think this is a good idea. That's when this becomes really, really hard. And so Paul instructs Titus at the end of this book, man, invest in, in these people. You're not just the one being invested in. You need to invest in others. And he calls us to the same thing. If leadership is influenced, and I believe that it is, um, there, there's always somebody that we should be investing in. There's always somebody that we should be pouring in. And I've used this illustration before, but when I, um, I stole this from one of my mentors, uh, one of my Pauls, but it was so powerful to me when he taught me this. And I think it's a really important lesson that if you think about it, like all of your experiences and all of your faith and all of your background, like it's in a cup, right? When we think about investing in somebody else, we often think, man, I've got to fill their cup. They got a cup just like I do, and I got to fill their cup. And listen, you and I can't do that because we don't have the full knowledge of life and faith and uh, industry, the industry, and we don't, we don't know everything. And so we get really intimidated by this. We're like, man, I got to fill their cup and I don't know if I can do that. I don't think I had the experience to do that. Listen, you don't have to fill their cup. You don't. You don't have to fill their cup. You know what you got to do? Empty yours. That's what God is calling us to do when he's calling us to mentor. It it is not filling their cup. You can't do that. You can't fill someone's cup. All you can do is empty yours. So this is what I've learned about life. You pour it out. This is what I've learned about this industry. You pour it out. This is what I've learned about God. And you pour it out. This is what I've learned. And you've got this posture of always learning and always growing and always developing and always getting better. But you are a person that, that seeks to kind of empty your cup. And it was so powerful to me when I learned that because I was feeling all this pressure to like fill other people's cups. And, and it's like, you can't do that. I'm not their Holy Spirit. I'm not their God. I'm not their Jesus. I can't fill their cup. But I can empty mine. Uh, because by the grace of God, and, and you're in the exact same position I am, by the grace of God, I've learned some things, um, I've made some incredibly dumb decisions. Uh, I've learned things the hard way. I've learned some things the easy way. By the grace of God, I'm smarter now than when I was 15. Marginally. Right? I was just telling someone this story the other day about, like just one, you know, this, one of the dumbest decisions I ever made was about a car. And uh, I, was, uh, I, I was doing this job where I was on the road all the time, and my boss kind of taught, he wasn't very good at emptying his cup, but my boss kind of talked me into leasing a car. Right. And so um, I was making about, you know, I think, like $20,000 a year, and I leased this car for $334 a month. And by the end of the three years, I had way surpassed the miles. And so then I had to buy the car, and I had low monthly payments, you know, until it felt like until Jesus was going to return. But um, by, by the grace of God, I was able to pay that, that car off. And, and that's just one of those things where it's like, man, I, If I ever talk to somebody about buying cars, I'm going to empty my cup because I I learned the the dumb way, right? I learned learned the hard way. But that's how life is. We we learn things the easy way. We learn things the hard way. And part of what it means to mentor is we're not filling theirs. We're just emptying ours. So I want to encourage you to think through that. Who am I investing in? The last question every leader must ask, and then this is going to close out the series. Last thing is, am I devoted to doing what is good? All right. In this season of leadership that I have with my family, with my church, with my job, with whatever, have I been devoted? Am I devoted to doing what is good? Am I devoted to doing what's right, good, godly? Or have I gotten off track in some area of life? Because listen, there are many things that you and I can be devoted to that are not always the best. In business, you can become devoted to making money. In life, you can become devoted to being like successful. In relationships, you can become devoted to controlling the people around you. There are lots of things that we can unintentionally kind of become devoted to. But the greatest thing God says, and Paul says to Titus, the greatest thing that you and I can be devoted to in the environments that we're leading in right now is we can be devoted to doing what is good. And there's a real easy way you can tell. Paul goes on uh, to tell Titus, there's a way that you can kind of flip this text a little bit and tell kind of where you're at on that. He says, um, the reason that this is so important is so you can provide for urgent needs, for the urgent needs of the people around you, that the leader that is devoted to doing what is good is the leader that is devoted to the well-being of others. See, it's easy when you're a leader, and we're all leaders, it's easy to start to use people for your success, or your agenda, or your desires, all right? Let's just be honest about that for a minute, that part of being a leader is recognizing that we often have like an agenda with the people around us, all right? That I expect you to serve my interests, or I expect you to do what I want you to do, or I, I expect you to be controlled by me. I expect you to help me become successful in this company. And that, so there's, there's lots of kind of agendas that, that, that we have. But one of the best ways you can kind of filter through, how am I doing on this, is am I investing in the urgent needs of the people around me? Am I investing in the needs, period, of the people around me? Am I looking to their interests, not just to mine? Am I looking to serve them, not just have them serve me? Am I loving them in that way? And certainly this goes with the people that you serve, but I think this provides us a gauge even beyond that, that when you think about the events of Houston this last week, when... Um, you think about in our own community, the Palmer family, who, who just lost uh, lost their son in a tragic accident. It's how am I doing with like thinking through, praying about, and even addressing the needs of others? Um, is this something that I'm doing uh, pretty well at, or have I become a little bit... Like self-centered and next vacation or next leisure thing or next time of rest. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, but when I become preoccupied with them, I become self-centered and God's calling me to be others-focused. I just recently had uh, um, an annual physical, um, which at the age of 41, those are just awesome. Um, And uh, they checked my blood pressure and my heart. They took some blood, had some conversations with me about Um, What was going on with me, and about some weight that I had gained? She's like, "I just we got to have a conversation. (laughs) What is going on with you, Steve?" And you know, we had one of those conversations. And um, she she works through. She's really good about this of working through a checklist to make sure I'm okay—mental health, physical health, um, even a little bit of spiritual health. And that's what this is. This is a test of. This is a spiritual diagnostic test. Am I devoted to doing what is good for the people I lead? Well, am I addressing their needs? Those go hand in hand. It's a diagnostic check uh, to to see the condition of our heart. And I want to give you um, a prayer that we started praying with our son. And I think when you start to realize that um, you've been a little bit self-centered and that you've been a little bit self-focused and you're not investing in the, 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 the needs of others. This is something our family prays every day is we pray about the day ahead and then we simply pray this. God, help us to love the people you put in our path today, tomorrow. All right, but for us it would be today. God, help me to love the people that you put in my path. And I think that's a really good place to start. It is an understanding that God is placing people in your path for you to love and for you to address their needs. So as you go through the week this week and you hear about something or you read about something in the newspaper or you talk with someone, I believe that God has arranged for that interaction to happen because he'd love to see you address that need. And so just think through as someone's talking about, man, you know, we weren't able to buy, we're we're having a hard time financially or man, we're, we're having a hard time with this or that. Just think through, man, is it possible that God has put this person in my path so I can address their need? You know, instead of just praying for their need to be addressed, maybe you're the answer to that prayer. Maybe God has placed you there um, for that reason. And look at the whole thing that Paul kind of cl- concludes with. is says, the reason this is so important is we don't want to live unproductive lives. Man, isn't that true? When you think about the, the way that you lead and, and the way that you live, you don't want to get to the end of this thing and, and feel like, I lived, I lived an unproductive life. You want to say, and there's there's no time that's too late to do this. You want to say, I loved well. I served well. I met needs well. I I, I did all that well. And I see this at funerals all the time. You know, um, when I do funerals for people, rarely is someone's occupation or career ever mentioned other than a passing comment. It's like, oh man, they uh, they were a nurse or they were the, I mean, it's mentioned, but it's usually just a passing comment. They had, this was their career. But you know what a fu- funeral is filled with? It's filled with the investment, their, the, the deceased investment in the people around them, the way they cared, the way they loved, the way they served. Our servant leadership, your servant leadership is the thing people will remember about you. Um, it, it's that important. So every leader needs to be invested in, every leader needs to invest in others. And every leader needs to be devoted to doing what is good. And that's the book of Titus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word. And uh, I thank you. Um, I enjoy thinking about leadership. So this was kind of fun for me. Um, But I really do believe the things that we've talked about, that, man, we are all leading. And and would you help us um, that, man, if we're going to pour our cup out, We're going to need someone to to pour into ours. That's not sustainable to just always be pouring out and never have anyone pouring in. So help us to become devoted to these things, that we are devoted to um, seeking you for a Paul, someone ahead of us a little bit that can help us, and that they'd pour into us, and that we'd pour into others, and that we would always, um, above all things, be devoted to doing what is good, because that is what it means to live a productive life as a leader. We're being invested in, We're investing in others. We're loving all. Help us to live productive lives. Help us not to um, uh, waste any of the days that you give us, but that we would see the people that you put in our path as a divine appointment that you have arranged for us to love them. Help us to see your people that way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. You stand. Uh, We're gonna sing a song of invitation. as we're singing.